Hey queer friends, are you ready to be inspired? Welcome to Season 5 of Coming Out and Beyond, a podcast that shares stories from the LGBTQIA community. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Zanzel. Hi, this is Anne-Marie Zanzel, and welcome back to another episode of Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA stories and support. I'm very excited to welcome to our show today, Lisa N. Alexander. Lisa is the owner of the award-winning creative agency, Pretty Work Creative, where she serves as the company's CEO and creative director. She, along with her team, helped their clients tell amazing stories through video and strategic marketing, communications, and PR. She has directed and produced three documentaries for nonprofit agencies and has written her first feature film titled My Father, the Queen. The film is in pre-production and will be released in 2024. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. I'm really excited to talk to you today because I found Lisa on a podcasting network page that we both belong to. And I was advertising for my other podcast, Queer Business Success. And Lisa said, well, I have a story about my dad that has gone into production. Um, You're in, you know, with a film about your dad who lived a very closeted life. And I said, oh, I have to have you on my show. So I guess my First question would be, since we are sharing your dad's story, and this isn't really your story, but it affected you greatly as a child. It did. And as a young woman. So Okay. Um, tell us about your dad. Tell us the story of your dad. And what is his name too, please? I will withhold his name. Okay. We'll call him Frank. Okay. That's um, we'll Let's him call him Frank. Frank. Yep. We'll call him Frank. So Frank. Frank is a gay black man who came up in the 60s, 70s, right? And so we know that at that time, it was, you, there was no living out loud and proud in the 60s or 70s. And so one of the things that we explore is this question of him choosing to remain closeted during that time period. And was it really a choice? Because mm-hmm. during that time period, who would hire you? Mm-hmm. If you were out and proud, you know, this it would impact your money, it would impact where you would live because then who is going to rent to you and your partner um and then your your safety so it's it's amazing to me that you know here we are in 2023 and safety for queer bodies lgbtq bodies is Brown still bodies. at <laughs> risk it's it's like really okay so we talk about him he really didn't have a choice to right. remain closeted. So, you know, come to the 90s, 2000s, and so, so where you can have a little bit more freedoms and, you know, um, we have the right to marry, you know, queer people have the right to marry and he still remained, chose to remain real closeted, real quiet about that. Now he would drop hints, but he never really, he never came out or he never lived that life in front of us. Now my my dad is he wasn't the best parent and he will tell you that he was not the best parent. Mm-hmm. And it took me becoming an adult to understand his trauma and his pain and how that impacted my trauma. You know, if he wasn't, he didn't have the bandwidth to be the parent that I needed. 
Mm-hmm. I get that. Still doesn't negate the hurt that I, that was caused and the trauma that I experienced, but I understand his. Well, so, I hear a daughter being very compassionate to their yeah. their parent who is every single parent is a human being. And, and every single parent does wonderful things and also does really shitty things. <laughs> that part, yes. And some people have a preponderance of more than one than the other. But yeah. When you get to a part in your life where you have, like, I have such, like, the anger that I felt from my parents when I was a younger woman, you know, probably until, like, my 40s, um, is gone. I have none. Yeah, It's it's just a lot of compassion. Um, I also realized, too, my parents were dealing with the same systems of oppression, such as patriarchy, Mm -hmm. uh, misogyny, Mm. um, low income. So they were they were dealing with all the same systems of oppression. Some of them I didn't have to deal with because I had education and I had money, Um, but they were dealing with, you know, they were dealing with things that. And it was, a, and, you know, and it was often for like example, thinking of my mom as a woman, it was so mm-hmm. much harder for her to be uh, a working mom back in the late, you know, late 1960s, early mm-hmm. 70s than it is, you know, for sometimes for people now. So let me t- ask you some questions about your sure. dad. So did Frank, now what type, of, what type of home did Frank grow up in? Was it religious? Did, where in the United States did he grow up in? You know, tell me a little bit about that. And I have another question too. When you call somebody a queen in the queer community, yes. it's someone who's often flamboyantly gay. Mm-hmm. Was your dad like that? He had traits. Okay. He had traits. So, okay, so I'll answer your first question so okay sure his family or you know my family grandmother grand um grandfather come from the south and then Mm -hmm. made that migration west so Mm -hmm. we grew up in the los angeles area from what i don't know very much about his upbringing i know he he was very closed off when it came to talking about his childhood and how he grew up he did say that um you know he was teased a bit and maybe even um I will say tortured and left in the kitchen in the pantry, you know, in the dark. And, you know, he did tell us this story. Now his, his brother will contradict that story. And he said that never happened. So I, I choose to believe the victim versus somebody who says that never well, happened. Well, and also too, as we both know, you can have the same parents and have totally different upbringings. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And depending on birth order, you can have. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. yeah. And, and so. Um, I, I believe your dad too. I, be, I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> I believe him. I believe him. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I, I don't know much more than that. I know that he and was my it mom religious. Did you know if it was a religious household? Not like mine. No. Okay. So tell, <laughs> tell me about yours. So my we grew up Pentecostal. So at first we grew up Baptist. You know, we went to a Baptist church, which mm-hmm. was a little bit more lenient in how you could experience God and and, and experience religion. And then we went to a Pentecostal church, which had a much stricter, more legalistic kind of view of how you could approach God and what you could Mm -hmm. do. And that's where we learned about, you know, modesty and that this red lipstick would have certainly sent me to hell Mm -hmm. um, along with the pants that I'm wearing, currently wearing, you -hmm. know, those, those kinds of things. And so it was very, very strict and very legalistic in its view and its approach to to God and 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 
that's how I grew, grew up. I spent my teenage years. Was your mom Pentecostal and your dad married her? And is they that, were, how they, or did they, you know, find this church together? So they were Baptist together. So my mom primarily went, my dad would go Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, maybe not even Mother's Day, Christmas and Easter is when he would go. <laughs> okay. Because um, I don't, re- I don't have memories of him attending with us. I have a picture of us together at Easter. You know, he had on a suit, looking very distraught. Like I don't. Hey, he had the look on his face. Can like you, I don't want to be here. Well, can you? Um, all right. First of all, in the ministry yes. world, we call them C and E's. Absolutely. <laughs> Christmas and I remember. Easter. Yes, yeah, yes. And, and that's okay. That's um, fine. Yeah, but also too, I know the Pentecostal faith tends to be incredibly homophobic. Yes. And and openly preaching against people who are. Yes. And I can only imagine. It must be it must have been torture for your dad to go to church, especially, you know, sometimes, too, because pastors know that the C&Es are going to be there. They plan their message because that's when they have the most people in the congregation. So they they can unload. And they can, yeah, and they can plan their message like, oh, I'm if you know, like if someone's practicing homosexuality, you know, they may be coming. I'm going to preach a a fire and brimstone service. Yeah, yeah. When we were little, my sister and I and our family, we were, you know, before my parents had divorced, we were still going to the Baptist church. It was after my parents divorced that um, we started going to non-denominational churches and ended up in. In a, in a Pentecostal church. And that's mm-hmm. where I spent the most of my adult life. Mm-hmm. And so did your, when did you start getting an inkling as a child that your dad wasn't like some of the other dads? Oh my God, Barb, didn't we have a great time at our workshop in January? Things you gotta know. Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. And for those who don't know, this was our workshop for women who are coming out. So many people signed up. It was great connecting with all of those women. And you know what, Emery? I think we should do it again. And we are. So we will be hosting this workshop uh, February 19th through 20, the 22nd. It's going to be hosted in the evening this time, 7 p.m. Central Time. And if you want to join us, just go to our website, comingoutsupport.net. That's comingoutsupport.net. Signing up is easy, it is free, and it is for any woman who is navigating the challenges of coming out. We'll see you in February. We had no clue. My sister and I had zero. We just didn't know. We were so sheltered and we had no idea. It took us to, my sister and I got good and grown. We were in our 20s, 30s when we started having conversations and maybe putting two and two together, because at that point, then he would start, start um, dropping hints. You know, he would say things and we would go, that's odd. And so my sister and I, one day we started putting it all together and we were like, oh, he's gay. And so, you know, we would talk to family back home, you know, our cousins, and they were like, you guys are just now figuring this out. And it's like, no, we didn't know. Did you ever talk to your mom about it? Yes. And yeah. she only Did she shared. divorce him because he was gay? No. No, no. They stayed together almost 13, 14 years, I want to say. 
And I, I, I know my mom knew, but knowing what I know now, what resources did she have? Mm-hmm. What could she, what could she have done being a, a black woman in the sixties or seventies, you know, she didn't want to be a single parent. And when they did divorce, you know, that hurt her deeply. And I don't know what hurt more, you know, my dad being gay or now being divorced and having to raise two kids because no one signs up to be a single parent unless you sign up to be a single parent. Right. 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 So when your dad started to drop hints, what were the hints for you? So the hints were, I I don't want to out him completely. He would just wonder how he is still alive. Is he still alive today? I believe so. We are estranged. Okay. Okay. So um, he would drop hints that he wondered how he was still alive. And I'm going to guess that's based on certain behaviors that Mm -hmm. he had. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't point to the fact somebody's gay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know where you're going with it. Yes, yes. Like you're thinking of somebody who may have HIV or may have unpracked, you know, protected, you know, unsafe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But like in 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 itself, that is not anything. People say that all the time, right? Well, the the hints he dropped were quite. They were damning. Mm -hmm. I'll say that they were they were very damning, and it's you know you just kind of like tilt your head and go well, that was odd. And it came out of nowhere. And it's like, okay. And so the, and I think my sister and I were together when he, when he said it. And so that's when we just had the conversation and we started put two, two and two together. And it's like, oh, okay. Then it, it, it all made sense. And we treated him no differently. Um, still loved him. He was dad It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Live your best life, you know, and but he he never lived his lifestyle in front of us, never fully admitted um the lifestyle. And it was just something you didn't talk about. And I think it has everything to do with the generation he was in and maybe shame and still trauma um that he experienced. And I I so wish that he felt free enough or was healed enough to live authentically and to be truly happy you know and to not have to hide and live in shame and then I think that his relationships could have been better we could have had better relationships and it wouldn't have been so tumultuous is the Mm -hmm. word I'll use Mm -hmm. and so painful it was a painful it was a painful relationship now we'll say you know um in the film I wanted to make sure that I painted his character because even though it's loosely based on my life, the film is my father, the queen, even though it's loosely based on my life, these characters really did. Once I started writing, they took on, they had their own story to tell and I let them Mm -hmm. tell their story, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure that I didn't vilify him because Mm -hmm. we are not all good. We are not all bad. And so you see some of his humanness and some of his grace and some of the good things that he did. It's like, I wanted to make sure that you saw that as well. So you just couldn't label him as, oh, he was just a um, a bad father and he was just a, an awful person because he's not, he wasn't, you know? No. And so I wanted to make, I wanted to make that very clear. I can't so, take away the good things that he's done. He's done some amazing things. And I, I would, what kind of person would I be to take that away from him? The good that he's done. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Did he remarry? Never. Okay. 
Never remarried. Have you been estranged for a long time? Four years? I think four years now. It was there a reason or did it just happen? Oh, it things went really, 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 really bad. And so I am an advocate of healing and doing your work. And so, you know, I have my own story of, of a healing journey that I had to take and you know, work through and you, you know, this healing is, it happens in layers, you know, you mm-hmm. heal in one place yeah. and you find out and go, Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. There's something else. And so I, I believe in healing and doing the work and therapist. I'm firm believer. Thank God for therapists. I think they're some of the most greatest, greatest people that God ever created were therapists mm-hmm. go therapy. Um, but I believe everybody has to choose to do that work. And so when you, when, when you choose trauma, when you choose dysfunction, when you choose hatred when you choose all the things that I clearly I don't want that in my life I I like peace I'm a proponent of peace and I'm a proponent of healing then we had to part ways Mm -hmm. because he was not interested in doing that not interested in doing the work not 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 ready to heal and I will say that his his grief is real um the pain that he feels is real, how he expresses it and how he chooses to handle that. I couldn't walk with him through that. So my, my sister, she passed away very suddenly, very unexpectedly. And to be a parent to lose. So I don't know that I don't have that experience. So now we have a man who was closeted, you know, um, never married, never remarried. And he lost his youngest daughter. So would you be okay with getting my perspective right now? Sure. Okay. Your dad may have a life with a partner that you know nothing about because he has been closeted for a long time Mm -hmm. and probably is very, very, um, probably um, just is really anxious about talking about that part of his life with you and your, and probably your sister as well. Um, also too, um, when you're queer, having someone call my life a lifestyle mm. is, it, it wasn't your dad's lifestyle. It was, it your was dad. who he was. It it's was his life. Yeah. His life. And it's since you've done the hard work, I ventured to say that because when you say a lifestyle to someone who's queer, it, it, it it's a way for people to minimize our lives. And I know you're not doing that. I really know that Lisa, I know you're Mm -hmm. coming from a good place, but sometimes people in the church who've been churched will say the word lifestyle and lifestyle is like being a vegan (laughs) or living on a golf course (laughs) or, you know, any of those things is a lifestyle, but being queer is who you are is living my life. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you that we know that there was no partner. We do know that there were boyfriends. Yeah. We know that there was, there's no, he he lived with us for a period of time. And so we know there. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, sometimes too, is that when we're gay, sometimes the people we love the most have a really hard time with it. And so instead of standing in the the chaos and sometimes there's anger and all that Mm -hmm. stuff like that people prefer just to go away 
and create their new communities somewhere else. Mm -hmm. People do that whether they're gay or not. I mean, sometimes people go through divorces, you know, estrangement from mom and dad, all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. And they just choose to create a life without those. And it's, and as a child, I can only imagine how painful that is for you. Mm. It, I will say it was very painful because I, and to this day, I still love my father. I of love him. We yeah. have some of the same traits. We don't like crowds. We are, <laughs> we are, <laughs> we both like to cook. We both like to bake. Um, we love, we love and we love deeply, right? And so yeah. there are some, again, there are things I cannot, I cannot take the goodness away from him. Right. It's it it's just the tra- the trauma pieces of his life that the unhealed parts of him make it difficult to be in relationship. I understand. Mm. So I agree with you. Um, I mean, if he was alive, is would he be about eighty something now? I'm assuming around there. Close to close. Okay. To. Yes. So you know. And there was a lot of identities too, besides his queer identity with intersection, you know, being a man of color. I assume yes. he's a man of color. Man of color, yes. Yeah. Beautiful um, black man. Oh, yeah. I've seen the I'm young sure pictures. Oh. oh, hands. Oh my God. Oh my God. Beautiful. And and so I can only imagine how unsafe it yeah. felt for him in this world. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and, and unfortunately, it's still unsafe. Yes. Especially for our, you know, trans women that- Absolutely. Black know, trans women. Women, it is super unsafe for them. And, and so I can imagine that your father chose to remain closeted with you all, and or maybe semi-closeted in his yeah. people are semi-closeted. Semi-closeted, also, yeah. Yeah. And also too, sometimes people will be very out in their small communities. Everybody knows they're gay, but in their other communities that right. they, there's like the questioning yeah. or the mm-hmm. thing. So I can imagine a man of that era um really struggling to yeah. be out, especially once you've started down the married road thing and stuff like that. Yeah. How did his closetedness affect? you as a child and I'd like you to reflect on it like when you were littler and then Mm -hmm. as more as an adult so and we and and we and the the film reflects all of this as well I'm really I really can't wait to see it we go through all of this in the film so I remember always wanting my father's affection Mm -hmm. I loved him deeply what I got though was a father who liked to nitpick and criticize and poke fun. And so I have memories of being in my grandmother's house and him and his sisters and brothers, they're playing cards. There may or may not have been alcohol involved. Who's to say? I'm a kid. I am I don't know what's in those glasses. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and so I'm the sensitive kid. And so I remember him and his sister, one sister in particular, who loved to just poke fun and just poke, poke, poke until I would cry. And so then my grandmother would scoop me up and she would curse them out, leave my baby alone. And this very robust woman, she would just rock me until I stopped crying. That, that's, 
what I remember. I remember never quite being good enough, that there was always something wrong. There was always a critique. What's wrong with your hair? Why are you wearing those shoes? What's wrong with that dress? Who put you in those pants? Why would you choose that? That's all I remember Mm -hmm. growing Mm -hmm. up. That's all I remember. So just imagine. Do you attribute that just to his personality? I mean, or do you attribute it to him being closeted and just, I'm just curious, what do you attribute it to? I attribute it to his own, his own personal trauma. Yeah. And so here's what a, um, a good bohemian friend of mine told me. She said, as I got older, you know, and I kept wanting this relationship with my father, I, I kept putting olive branches out and maybe this could, it'd be better this time. And she says, Lisa, she says, you're asking that man for a dollar and he don't have a dollar to give you. And now you bet at the man because he don't have a dollar to give you. Please find somebody else to give you a dollar or give yourself a dollar. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to remember that one or try to remember it. It's like, okay. But you okay. were you kept going back, you kept yes. coming back to a well. Yes. That was unable to give you yes. one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, again, as I got older, I, I understood it's like, so if, so again, we were talking about what it is to be um, a gay black man in that time period mm-hmm. and your safety is in the South. jeopardy in the, yeah. no, we were, he was in Los Angeles okay. at the time. Mm-hmm. So he, we hadn't moved to Texas yet. So just all those things. And it's like, how could he have had the emotional bandwidth right. if he couldn't live authentically as himself? If he couldn't be who he was, then now I've got these two kids I've created. How can I parent them the way they needed to be parented? So I think all the, the nitpicking and all of that, I do think it is just a reflection of his own personal trauma. He was not able, he just, just did not have the bandwidth to give us what we needed. What you needed. Yeah. And as you got older, how do you, how do you view his closetedness? It saddens me. Yeah. It really saddens me because I, even though I grew up in, in, in that, in the Pentecostal church and, you know, heard all the dogma and heard the homophobia from across the pulpit, I, I still, that was my daddy. I loved him and he could have been out. He could have had a boyfriend, had a husband named Pierre and had a cat named Fluffy. (laughs) It would not have bothered me in the least bit if that meant that I could have this healed relationship with my father. If he felt free enough and, you know, was no longer ashamed or, you know, just healed enough to have healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you know if he has healthy relationships with other people at all, or is you don't know? No, I can you tell you that he does not have. No, no. no. they're they're dysfunction likes dysfunction, and so you know that yeah. old saying that misery, you know, loves company. Yeah. Well, so, it's my, I love the saying, you know, it's dysfunctional, but it's my dysfunction, and I'm comfortable. Okay. And I'm comfortable <laughs> yeah. in it. And yeah. So you 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 attach people, or you surround yourself with people who like that kind of dysfunction. So. Mhm mhm so what do you think the biggest lesson from all of this is like do, when you have anger do you have anger at like society at the world mm. um because mm. 
when people cannot live their authentic selves, when they have to put themselves into some sort of box to conform to the needs of it does create angry people. And it does create people that are restless or have an itchiness about them. I I talk about my, um, in my own coming out journey that like, I just felt I had this missing piece and I didn't know what it was. And I just was Mm -hmm. never um, like happy in my marriage. I was always a really attentive mom and stuff like that because I have children. Um, But I also wasn't somebody unlike your dad who probably knew he was gay the entire time. I was somebody that yeah. thought I might be gay and put it away. I put my gay away, mm. you know, which is different. I don't know if men and also too later in life, men and later in life, women are often very different. Mm. Um, later in life, men who come out, men who came out later in life often have relationships with men throughout their marriage and stuff. Men are very different than women. Men are much more sexual than women are in a way. While women that come out later in life, either one, um, didn't realize they were gay. Mm -hmm. Two, they're like me. Um, They sort of knew, but, you know, put it away and said, I'm going to be a good Catholic girl and get married and have my babies and do all those things. Or three, they fall in love with a friend or a woman. Mm-hmm. And those are the usually, or they have a catalyst moment, like they get, they get really sick. Um, they get a divorce, you know, something like a catalyst happens for them to make them COVID has been a catalyst moment for a lot of people, uh, you know, because I can see that. Yeah. Because yeah, they've had time to think and stuff like yeah. that. And so, but with men, when they, men often are in relationship with other men, before mm-hmm. they come out or they'd go out for just a, a quickie or yeah. something like that. It's a lot different than when women come out later mm. in life, you know? Um, but I do know that being closeted takes a toll on everybody. It does. Okay. And what I love about your message, Lisa, is that it took a toll on you. Yes. Absolutely. And what I find is parents who come out later in life are often so terrified, first about about divorce, because mm-hmm. if I get divorced, yes. this will affect my children horribly. Right. Or I find that when parents come out later in life after marriage and children, um, if the kids are under nine or younger, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. <laughs> Because it becomes the kids normal, like so quickly, yeah. like they're yeah. like, oh, okay, this is my mom or this is my dad. Older kids sometimes have a harder problems with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have a harder problems. But what I hear in your message is that if you were, if you were to talk to a queer dad right now, mm who is really struggling and not sure if he should come out or not. What would you tell them? I can hear you. I said, come out. Yeah. Come out. I can tell you that I felt robbed of a relationship, of having a healthy relationship with my father. So, you know, years ago, you know, I would, Father's Day was really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And then 
on Facebook where you see the, especially now these Gen Z dads and some of these millennial dads are killing the game. These hashtag dads, daddy's dad, girl, dad. And you know, you see doing their hair. Oh my God. And it's like, part of me is like, this should have been, me, you know, and and so part of that is like, you know, you have to heal those pieces. So I feel that I was robbed of having a healthy relationship with my father because society, because the church said, you know, you're an abomination. And that was just it. You were an abomination. It's, you know, the mm-hmm. American psychological department said that the um, association said something is wrong with you mentally. Yeah. And so to just 74. So when yes. your dad was even, I mean, in, you yes. know, in the DSM, uh, homosexuality was a mental disorder in 1974. Yes. So your dad, I mean, thought he probably most, most likely thought he had yes. something was terribly wrong with him. Absolutely. So, so just keeping having that reinforced and having, you know, choosing, well, not again, not choice, staying closeted during that time. And then be, I get, I guess that would definitely form a bitterness in your heart. It's like, if I can't be me. And so that bitterness turns into all kinds of things and hurt and pain. And the, the saying that hurt people hurt people is so very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was robbed. Mm-hmm. I was robbed. Mm-hmm. I've made peace with it, but I was, I was, I was robbed. I would like to let society know. And there are more women like me who've missed their dads, missed having relationships with mothers and fathers. We were robbed because of the rhetoric preached. And then these people are just, they don't know what to do. And so they remain closeted and then they can't have healthy relationships. We were mm-hmm. robbed. Mm-hmm. because. This is the thing is like when people hide a part of them, they, when they downplay or hard or high, um, excuse me, hide a part of themselves. It's just not that part. And so what ends up happening is it, it ends up affecting other areas of your life. Yes. And when you are working so, and especially like if you're an effeminate man mm-hmm. who people know, like they look at you like, oh yeah, you're gay. Yeah, you right, know? right. And there's like, there's lesbians that have glass closets, you know, like you yeah. look at the, a woman that's very right. masculine representing, you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, and what ends up happening is that, you know, somebody who is, you know, you know, and you're trying so hard to hide that mm-hmm. peaceful that piece of you yes you end up hiding other really good parts of you too yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so, so i asked my last three song three questions were about um i always ask what your coming out song but you haven't had a coming out song i don't have a coming out song but that's a, but maybe we should get you one <laughs> Because you are right now coming out as a queer spawn. I am a queer spawn. I you, you love that. I love I am a queer spawn. I am going to hashtag that and you are a queer spawn. So yeah. my assignment for you is to have a coming out song. Okay. And when you start promoting this on social media and stuff, you need to give me your coming out song. Coming out song. <laughs> yeah. I will, uh, I will deep, I will think deeply about this. And it can be an and old one. And let it come one. to me. 
yes. it could be a new one. Um, there's like, you know, uh, I was just listening to Lizzo yesterday and um, that song, You're Special. Um, yes. Ever told you today you're special? Maybe that could be your song. I don't know. <laughs> you oh, can't... I love it. I love that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because okay. how many people can, I mean, literally, how many people can claim the label Queer Swan? Hey, we are a unique group. Absolutely. We are, you guys are a unique group. Absolutely. And so we're part of the community. I guess we are part of the community. Yeah, you are. You are. You are. I just am. Yes. Yeah. You are. You are family. You are related by blood. And, yes. um, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, I, you know, back in the day when, you know, your dad was coming up and stuff like that, queer folks didn't have children. They just didn't mm-hmm. now, unless they were in hetero marriages. Yes. Right, Nowadays, right. queer folks do, do choose to have children and thank mm-hmm. God, you know, yes. they're able to do that, but parent, um, yes. you're so, so you're not only a queer spawn, you're a queer spawn elder. <laughs> All in oh. one spoke. <laughs> oh, elder. Okay. Yeah. Come on, children. Let's talk. It's like you know, I got it. I got it. I love it. I love it. I love so it. So you do have a book that you really like that really has changed your life. So yes. So talk. I I I love that book too. So what book is it? The Four Agreements. The mm-hmm. Four Agreements really changed. It helped me when I was deconstructing a lot of things in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. That book helped me make sense of so much. And it's like, stop taking everything personally. It's not always about you. That I, that one was like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. You know, be impeccable with your words. So they just really spoke to who I was with as a person. But that one, don't take stuff personally. Because I would internalize everything. So when you're not sure, so if you've grown up and you're not sure and your self-esteem is low and, you know, you're always questioning yourself and it's like questioning other people's intent or um, putting your, uh, your own, your own, your own beliefs, projecting your own beliefs onto other people that I'm not good enough. So I'm thinking that they're thinking that I'm not good enough. And it's like, so those four agreements helped me begin to stop that whole process. It really did help in my healing journey. I'm going to read it again. I haven't read it in a number of years. I have it sitting on my bookshelf in the other room mm-hmm. and I really want to go. Um, I really want to look at it because I'm a minister. A lot of people asked me to help with deconstruction of faith. Mm. And I would love to read that as a way to think about de- deconstructing yes. faith, yes. you know? Um, so because One a of lot the- of queer people do that, you know? Yes. One of the things he said in the book is that you know, you, you believe what you believe because you were born here. Had you been born somewhere else, you might have a different set of beliefs and, you know, a different name, all the things. And that was just my, man, that was mind blowing to me. It's like, wow. Mm-hmm. 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 How would you describe your life today? Peaceful. Yeah. Lots of joy. We are a, um, uh, a small group. It's my husband, my son, and um, the, the two dogs. Um, I've got great friends. Um, it's, it's peaceful and I'm surrounded by people who love me and we all have mutual respect for each other, you know, similar values and it's, it's peaceful. And I fought hard for this peace. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, I understand. Hard. I have fought very, I mean, I have fought very hard for the peace that yes. I have right now. It's, yes. it's been a lot. <laughs> um, uh, but I understand. So mm-hmm. Lisa, I really am excited for your film. Um, I'm really, um, right now and coming out and beyond are taping ahead right now. So we will put this episode in 2024 when your film is released. Awesome. And awesome. so we'll, we'll, we'll make sure it's congruent or buy it or something like that. But I want to thank you today for sharing your heartfelt story of your dad and also telling other queer kids and queer parents that the best thing everybody can do is to come out and also accept your parents for who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the time. You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA plus stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at annemariezanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.